0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to my fifth episode. Welcome to the show. Today, I got one of my great buddies, Brady Brzezinski. We met at Stout, and right now he is a sales manager at his company at Drylock. And I wanted to bring him on the show today because he's been through some pretty significant life experiences. And I believe that he has a lot of value to some of the questions I'd like to ask. And we've always had really great conversations growing up. So I just figured... For the audience, it'd be really intriguing to hear some of the answers and some of the conversations that we have. So I'm really excited for the show, and I just want to say, Brady, welcome to the show. How are you feeling, man? Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, I'm feeling good. You know, day after Thanksgiving, still a little stuffed from turkey, but uh, I'm glad we're making it work. Me and Josh tried to do this a couple of weeks ago, but my Wi-Fi connection at my apartment complex isn't the best. So I'm I'm pretty stoked that. Uh, he said it's a good connection, so hopefully no glitches, and uh,
0: I'm excited to be here, yeah. Absolutely, glad to have you. So uh, how was Turkey? Did you have a little uh hangover, or what? Yeah, I didn't
1: uh, I didn't feel it immediately, but I would say I slept in pretty good. I was supposed to be at the gym at like 9.30, and snoozed the alarm, and then woke up, and I'm like, it's 10.15, gotta, gotta <laughs> yeah. get rolling. Uh-huh. But it was nice. took the day off of work, so... If any day is the day to sleep in it was today.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was sluggish today too. I usually work out in the morning, but I worked out in the afternoon and Oh yeah. I actually have to bring something up with you. Do you have a TikTok? I do have
1: a TikTok. I've only posted like four or five videos probably a while ago, but um my girlfriend, her name's Cassie, and uh she has a TikTok. She's the one that got me into it. She is Borderline, I wouldn't call her TikTok famous, but she has two TikTok over three hundred thousand likes.
0: Wow, pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) I got a follower. I got one today because my last podcast, one of the guys said that you should get one, and I've heard about it. I always thought that they were gonna get rid of it. What's up with that?
1: Um, I heard so. I think Microsoft was gonna buy TikTok because it's originally a Chinese. Uh, conception product um so if anything maybe it was something with trump trying to get rid of it i have no idea to be honest with you but yeah there, there's been some weird things going on
0: with tiktok but it's it's a cool thing a lot of the
1: kids like it that's yeah cool. that's that's what it is
0: the young the young guns are doing it and at first i was against it just because uh you know it's like six seconds uh all it was is people dancing and stuff and i'm trying to use it to promote the business and you know you can't be an old dog so you got to do what the kids are doing that's right that's how you get the following the kids are popular Us
2: right
1: they're just annoying at this point i know it's in a crazy world <laughs> yeah, <it sucks. laughs> yeah. my buddy right. was texting me he's like could you imagine if we had this tiktok thing back when we were in high school we would have been legends mm. like,
2: yeah it would have been
1: legendarily in trouble yeah right <laughs> We're doing, yeah, just making public scenes just to get likes or something. Right, exactly. We yeah, were like Applebee's or something.
0: Yeah, we were we were kind of toxic with Facebook and Twitter anyway. All right. Yeah, yeah. that was our mode in our age for sure. mm-hmm. Now Facebook's for old people. Yeah. Yep. All right, but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, definitely been working on the TikTok game. Got to, got to get good at that. I guess I got to get good at dancing.
1: Yeah. Next time we're together. Um, I'll start look, looking at some that we could re-imitate and okay. uh, do some.
0: You're my TikTok coach.
1: Perfect. Well, Cassie should <laughs> be. She's the one. Oh, yeah. Cassie's my TikTok coach. Maybe you could, uh, insert one of ours into the podcast. We have a good one where we dance. Really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I gotta follow you, too. I gotta see your dance moves. I've seen them a couple of times, but nothing, nothing planned. <laughs> coordinated what do they call it choreographed <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so Thanksgiving went good that's awesome to hear uh a little bit of what I want to talk about oh and one thing I got to mention to the audience is you're the leading base dealer at Stout so I want you to take me through a little bit of your baseball mentality like what what was your attitude when you step in the box and, and don't be shy I want to hear it
1: yeah that's a good one I mean mentality for baseball I mean my first two years at stout I was you know pretty raw I uh didn't necessarily take baseball seriously through high school so um when I got to stout I was I we I had a great coach Toby garden who was a uh eight-year triple a like guy and his dad was the manager of the twins for forever long so he knew a ton about baseball but uh it took me a while to pick up uh kind of being fluid with everything so honestly my mentality in the box the first two years was chop and run because (laughs) i was was fast but i and i could make contact but i i wasn't the best hitter in the world so i would chop and run get on base and then
2: after that
1: yeah turn it into a double or don't so you can get those stolen bases right but (laughs) i uh no stealing bases is i honestly wanted to be the biggest value add that i could Um, to the team and I knew certain nuances of stealing bases I guess towards the end of my career I knew I knew a lot more like if a pitcher was going to shake off I knew that he probably didn't get the pickoff sign from the catcher so that meant I was going and most of the time it was probably shake off to off speed Mm -hmm. as well so that meant okay I almost have a one-way lead because he's going home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's little things like that, picking up on things, you know, little nuances. And honestly, stealing third base is easier than stealing second too. That's a little really? tip I would give to anyone who's trying to be a base base dealer. Um, but uh, you know, at me on Twitter if you want,
0: <laughs> we can work something out. One <laughs> no. thing I, I want to know is, did you ever think that you're going to get thrown out? Oh yeah, man.
1: Really? especially at stuff i because that place is a sandbox
2: oh okay
1: you get a bad step you get a bad jump um Mm -hmm. that that happens to the best of them and you're so far down the baseline that you know you have to go Mm -hmm. thinking if this is a clean fastball outside and the catcher is going to catch it and throw it down like he should Mm -hmm. eat And, and there's definitely times like that and um, I definitely didn't have a 100% stolen base, for right, students, right. <laughs> but, uh, you got to pick your, your, uh, your opportunities and
0: try to make the most of them. But I definitely got threw out a, a plenty. Yeah. So when you, when you got thrown out, did that ever hurt your confidence the next time or were you, would you re-up yourself or like, I got to get this next one? I would always go ask, I'd be like, what happened?
1: Mm-hmm. Why, why did I get thrown? If I knew I had a bad jump, I would ask what pitch was thrown? did the catcher bullet it down there? Like, was it an unbelievable transition or was it something that I just shouldn't steal anymore? And more times than not, it was, hey, this happened. It was a fastball out. You got a bad jump. You were out for that reason. Um, this catcher is really good. Then I'll be like, okay, I probably won't um, steal on this catcher anymore or uh-huh. stuff like that. But it never hurt my confidence because um, you just got to kind of, Try to be smarter than the game in the sense of know when you were off and when you were when you were good
0: and um, decide from there. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. And I think you know, I I was a kid that's fast, but I never knew anything. I never played college baseball, but I never knew, you know, that, that kid was shaking off. I meant off speed. But now that you say it, it's like I should have known that.
2: <laughs> you, <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you
0: feel like you Should know.
1: Yeah, and I learned that from Dale Varsho, my express manager. He was like, "Hey, I know you think these kids are smart because they're D one, like superstars, but they're dumber than anyone else. Like <laughs> going home, steal if he shakes off. If you want to be a base stealer, yeah, steal when he shakes off. And if you're gonna steal third, you do it with one out. Other than that, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And you do it when it's a lefty, and you can." pick out when he's looking back and if he has a rhythm to him that they all do yeah get your feet rolling and go i mean good pitchers but they're a witty pitcher those are like one in ten mm-hmm. looking back and they're changing it up every time they'll look back at you and then lift their leg and you're like i can never gonna steal on this
0: <laughs> but you know then you don't you don't steal on those right play. you respect the game um is there anything that you learn from baseball or in sports in particular that? has helped you transition into your sales manager role or just in life in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, spot on with
0: what we're talking about um, when
1: you mentioned how do I make sure I don't lose my confidence um, or, or, and it's just kind of being smarter than the game. So um, I'm pretty new into the sales role. I started in kind of packaging engineering and I've moved into sales more recently. But um, what one of the main things I'm trying to push is Let's fully think through our win strategy, right? How are we going to win? And if we fully develop that strategy and we think we give our, give our best foot forward and we still don't win, we need to ask why didn't we win, right? Why didn't we win? Was it price? Was it product? Was it, you know, the fact that we don't have mass manufacturing that other companies can provide you redundancy would be the word for that but things like that i need to know why so then next time that we bid we can formulate around what we were bad at to make that an upsell or make it better um but just understand more about why we didn't win similar to stealing a base why was i not safe um so you can adjust and react and uh so that's a good example of something I brought towards um, being an adult in a nine
0: to five corporate job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of weird thinking back on it, uh, the lessons that we learned in sports, um, how they actually apply today. Like I never would have thought, you know, for your example, stealing a base would apply, the principles would apply in, in a sales manager role. Or for me, playing football, practicing, learning discipline, how much that actually uh, has propelled me into the the field and the environment that I'm working in. But I mean, everyone has this conversation. I'm curious to think of your thoughts because you did play one sport in college, but in my opinion, you're good enough to play plenty, but you played multiple sports in high school. So what about multiple sports in high school has helped you in general? And if you want specifically now, yeah, that's a good one. I,
1: Yeah, I'm a big proponent of kids playing multiple sports in high school. And the main reason I think why it's because I hear I know all the benefits, right? You get to spend all your time on one sport, you get to perfect that you get to get noticed in that one sport, so on and so forth. Um, And obviously, I'm not in the major leagues, So maybe not focusing on one sport didn't uh, (laughs) benefit in that way. But at the same time, I see these kids and I see society today and I'm like, man, I feel like a kid could really get burnt out if that one sport that they were focusing on wasn't going perfectly that, their way. Um, where they can, and, and, and maybe they need that um, moment of weakness to either propel themselves or just be like, hey, sports isn't for me. That's one argument. But I think just being really well-rounded in the sense of having multiple struggles in a variety of things Makes you be able to conceptualize um, positive and negative reinforcement of what works, what doesn't, um, beyond just like your dad or your singular coach telling you yes or no, good or bad, things like that. You have three different coaches, they all have different personalities. You have three sets of teammates, all with different perspectives. It gives you such a more broad perspective. Um, that I think your your ability to, to weigh out BS and like good things um, is like that much more heightened. And I would compare that to a degree at a college, right? A lot of people say they could do their job today without their college degree. If they just would have got the right training and learned how to do it, they could have went right into the job and learned it. No doubt. And I agree with that. I could probably do the same if I was there long enough. But what a college degree gives you is multiple perspectives, a a broad horizon of problem solving that you did throughout your four years. And I might never figure out the velocity it takes for me to get up and around a roller coaster without falling ever again. But solving that problem one time in college made me feel like I could solve a slew of problems throughout my relationships, my personal life, and even at work. So like, I would compare
0: it to that, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a really great answer. And I think you really hit it on the head with a couple of words there with gaining perspective, being able to filter out what is actually useful and not when you gain that much perspective. And then, like you said, you know, I may not be able to solve or I may not solve this velocity problem ever again, but it's given me the principles to be able to solve a slew of problems. And I was at the point in my career when I was that style. I was, I was, you know, getting my engineering degree, like you. And I was, I was frustrated by learning a bunch of formulas just to pass a test. Because even the teachers will admit, like, hey, you know, you're, you know, you're never going to learn this again. Until one teacher one day told me, he's like, I'm teaching you how to think analytically. He goes, this is, you know, I could burn these formulas into your brain, and you'll learn them, and then you'll forget them but to the strategy behind problem solving is what I'm trying to teach you. And there's a quote by Albert Einstein that says, you know, I never went to college to learn formulas. He goes, what I learned in college was to think analytically and strategically. So I think, like you said, sports and multiple sports and multiple classes gives you a perspective of how to think analytically. And that type of mindset will, will propel you in any endeavor that you have.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I'd like to hear your perspective a little bit. Obviously, you were a, a college athlete. Um, you played multiple sports growing up. Um, one thing that I think really broadened your, broadened your horizon throughout college was you played on the football team, but you lived with the baseball team, right? So <laughs> you got a ton of different perspectives throughout that. And uh, obviously, you had a little career um that you chose to left leave and uh we can get into that later and i I respect um the heck out of you for that and uh, i'll explain why but uh what how do you think those perspectives playing college sport multiple sports growing up helped fuel you through your short career in corporate america versus what you're doing today
0: (laughs) yeah well so i think just to go back and reiterate what I was saying about college, um, there is an argument where you should, just with sports, where you should specialize. Um, and I think there is a point to that. I would say that's more so with generals. Um, maybe generals. We could only do a semester of generals, to be completely honest. Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, perspective with living with the baseball team in and playing football um, for me, that kind of worked itself out on its own. But it was it was a great thing because football players and baseball players are different. They really are. Um, baseball players tend to be more superstitious. Tend to be, uh, I would say, longer distance mindset. Football players tend to be shorter mindset. Like it while you live. Type, you know, <laughs> balls to the walls mindset, um, and. So for me, I guess I found myself kind of in the middle, um, which was good, because it really showed me the right mindset. And there's this method out there that's called Tic Tac. And it's basically a play on words off of the fight or flight, because every decision we make is based off fight or flight. And you can't always choose fight, and you can't always choose flight. And your ego is what makes you choose these decisions, fight or flight. So what I've learned from the Bible and through spending time with God is how to balance your ego to choose these fight or flight responses uh, correctly, the tick back method. So you're going to tick this time or tack the next time. Um, and that is what I, I've learned recently, most recently. Um, and so when I was in engineering, when I was in corporate America, I started learning these things and I started to realize that my true passion wasn't in engineering because what I did like about engineering was problem solving, analytical thinking. Um, and what I found out in corporate America, at least in my job, I can't speak for everything, but I, I've spoken to many people that know enough that it's a common thread, um, that corporate America can, it can be boring, it can drown you in emails, and it's not so much what you wanted it to be. So for me, I was under that wave. Now that's not everybody, but for those people that can relate, I had to find my true passion. And yeah. yeah, I like problem solving, but now I realize there's a deeper way to problem solve. And for me, it's the brain. So I really enjoy neurology. It's, it's If you can do it for free, that really is your passion. So I've, I've been reading like probably this past two weeks, I read four or five books on neurology, prayer techniques, um, how to you know establish the right mindset, different authors, different types of strategies and because that's my passion and now I'm developing skills. And once you develop skills within your passion, you start to get paid for it. So now I'm polishing my skills. Um, I want to dominate. I want to specialize in what I love to do. Yeah. And I got to find a, a target audience that's willing to learn. Um, and that's basically how you start a successful business. And to have a successful life, uh, really enjoy what you're doing, there's you need three things. You need to follow your passion, get paid for your passion, and have financial freedom. And, and well and have really good relationships. You'll have really good relationships within that because if you're following your passion, you won't strain your relationships. Uh, so basically my passion is to help everyone else realize what I realized. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and all of that, just to circle back around to your your question, I know it's been a long-winded answer. but Uh, gaining that perspective has really helped me uh, develop that correct mindset because just to dig even deeper with what you asked I had two sisters growing up and an older brother oldest brother and uh, my two sisters were always around so I really really gained a female perspective growing up and my mom was always around so I had three women always around me but I was always playing sports and I was always with the boys so I guess it's in a way it's similar to you know, playing football, but being with the baseball players, right? Different perspectives. I guess I've always been around that. And it's been a blessing in disguise. I didn't know what was going on. But I realized that I can gain perspective in just about any situation because of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. The uh, neurology aspect, is it kind of like retraining your mind to different um,
0: patterns? Or, or So your brain always works in a loop. That's why people always end up on two steps, or one step forward, two steps back, um, you can bank on it. Uh, the neurology is how to reset the mind. So traditional psychologists would oftentimes focus on the past, which there's a point of emphasis of that, but they overemphasize it. So a lot of people get dragged down by their past and they can't get over it because they're stuck in the past. Um, what I'm learning now is that a confident expectation of the future will resolve your past. Now, that's not saying completely deny what's gone on in your past, but when, so for example, like you got hot stealing, okay, you can either focus on that so much that it deters you from ever stealing a base again, or you can address it like you did. Okay. What happened? Okay. That's what happened. Now I'm going to go steal this next base. Mm -hmm. Okay. that's how psychology should work. Um, and that's the principles of life. It could be applied anywhere so yeah neurology will tell you and there's certain things i agree with certain things i disagree with and everybody has us just like any other field um but yeah it's for me it's what it's what drives me for me it's you know salvari my company it stands for the root of salvation to me the root of salvation is the brain and how it works so yeah uh for me that's where i've been going and i know We've had the discussion about corporate America, and now you're in a role where you can, you know, have some say. And you kind of talked about strategy a little bit. Um, but what what about your role that you think you can improve corporate America in general? I can improve corporate America. Well, I mean, I know you are. You can improve your specific yeah people, and the people underneath you better. Yep. But sure,
1: um, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to. Be involved. I mean, it's relatively a big company that I work for. I mean, we have, I think we have $800 million worth of capacity throughout our Brazil, Czech Republic, Russia, Italy plants. And we're just one portion of that. But I'm lucky enough to be on the management team of our Eau Claire plant where I get to, you know, really take ownership of what goes on there to a certain extent which is nice you know because a lot of what corporate america a lot of what people don't like is just kind of feeling stuck there and like you have no say like things like that and uh there is definitely a part of me that still feels that way as a part of um not a not being at the corporate headquarters of the company Mm -hmm being a high level thinker, but being at a, an extension of that, which, um, has its limits for sure. But, um, I guess, yeah, there's so much, either your, either your logic is there or it's not. And if you're constantly pushing your logic and, and what you think should be the way, either someone's going to tell you that that's not okay, or it is okay based on, that's going to help us or that's going to hinder us. And I think the biggest part about corporate America that people don't like is when they say, I don't care if that'll help us or hurt us. I don't want to hear it because you're not a decision maker here, or um, this is how we've always done it. You know, those are the things that drive people nuts. And I'm sure that you felt that. And I've definitely felt that way a lot of times in my career, but I've chosen to push my agenda to fruition or to death (laughs) to a certain extent and like josh brings a great perspective on um chasing your passions and um figuring it out and going kind of rogue on the thing and you know producing your own thing and big part of me would love to do that and it might be down the road for me but right now i'm either pushing my agenda or it's dying and Mm -hmm. i'll continue to do that because Um, At the end of the day, I have people like you that inspire me that life's too short to live out half of your life, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that you spend at your job, it seems like at least, um, Mm -hmm. in misery and not following your true, you know, what drives you and what you think is fair, your idea of fairness and Mm -hmm. rightness. And uh, even from a business aspect, like what you think is a sound business idea or like functions of a business, like the right way to do things. Um, and not to say that but you also have to be open to ideas with that mindset, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll push my agenda, but if someone proves me wrong, I think I have a good idea of logic through my four-year degree that we were talking about earlier. If someone literally I'm so open, if someone wants to prove a point of this is how we've always done it this way and this is why. Mm-hmm. If it makes sense and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, you see a lot of positive Um, things come through that, and my idea, although different, doesn't function that as well, then yours is better, and I'm open to that, you need an open mindset, but you also need to push your agenda until you understand it, that's the only way that you can, like, fully agree with what you're doing, (laughs) even if you're in corporate America. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, those are, I mean, yeah, you're definitely a sales manager, it's clear to see why you're a manager, you got a great head on your shoulders, and just to, just to, I don't want, you know, I left corporate America for my own personal reasons. Again, I know there's other people in that situation. Uh, Again, yeah, it's not everyone. But what you're saying is, you know, maybe I should leave, maybe I shouldn't. But for now, this is what I want to do, which, which is great. But I'll tell you this right now. Uh, what you're doing, you're learning. Okay, it's all a part of the journey, right? So whatever you're learning right now, I can guarantee you is going to be able to apply in any type of situation in the future. Nothing goes in vain um, with the, with the correct mindset. Um, so uh, yeah, I, am in a completely different field than I am with engineering, but like I said, I know how to analytically think. I know how to present. I was with my, I mean, I was elbow to elbow with my project manager and my CEO in the government in my past job. And I learned how the chain of command works. I learned how, you know, how I I don't, I guess I won't get into all of it, but I know how spreadsheets work and what people do with them um so it's interesting but uh yeah as long as you're always willing to learn and that's that's the thing that you mentioned that I really really like what you said is uh an open mind to other people's ideas and I'll tell you this the best way to be correct is willing to be wrong okay if you're not willing to be wrong you're you always think you're right but you're really not um willing to be wrong and and question question yourself and 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 not, not like your confidence, but questioning your, your logic, questioning your convictions, questioning uh, your ideology. That is always a good thing because it'll either concrete it or, or adjust you to the correct answer. Um, and so a lot of people ask me, like, how, how do you read the Bible? And I read it always willing to be wrong. Um, and that's how I've gotten the most revelations from it. That's how I've gotten to where I've gotten so far. Um, and I don't plan on changing that part of it because... It's, it's the root of what really breeds success. Um, that is what I was running up against, personally, is not a lot of people are willing to be wrong
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: In, in corporate America. So I think a lot of people get jammed up by that. And then the second thing is I don't think that they ask a lot out of the individual and the bad corporations, not all, but the bad corporations don't give a lot back. And that's what bothers me. Right there's a,
1: there's a correct way to structure someone's incentives based on performance where it, it totally flips the script on, I need you to be here 60 hours a week to do a good job. And it turns it to, what have you done since you've been here that's providing positive result for the company? Beyond that, that's my expectation for you. Beyond that, work from the coffee shop, work from home, work from wherever you want. I don't care. But if you get these key deliverables done, um, as well as if you're a manager, manage your employees to get their things done. um, Live your life. I want, if if this job doesn't work with your life, I don't want this job to be such a burden on you that you can't think clearly when you are here. Mm -hmm. That's just like, it's so opposite of the baby boomer mentality. Yeah. Like these these people that grew up in that time period, but i also get it because in order to be an engineer back then, you were drafting everything by hand, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you were getting a, like if you were reporting something, it took forever. You had to do it all by hand and then enter it into a barbaric system if you had a system. But today things are so fast that it's like when you're here, I want you to be on your stuff and then go home to your
0: life. Right. It's yeah. like it's like uh, me trying to learn TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll probably pick it up a little bit quicker. You've grown up with technology. Yeah, that. I know. Well, that that it, dude. That is a crazy thing. And I know, especially with politics, uh, the younger generation just keeps crap and coals onto the baby boomers. But I mean, you got to think, man. They were born without. internet like that is not something that's easy okay um as a 90s baby which i think is the greatest generation to be born like we we knew what a self like we know what a payphone is but we also know what a nokia is and now we know what an iphone is like i think we the
1: the evolution of technology like when you look at the curve like here's uh, 900 Here's like nineteen ninety and then it's like we're just on like the first exponential wave of technology and we're only gonna see it go up to crazy amount. Yeah. Honestly, I think we're gonna have extremely hard moral decisions in the near, in the future, um, with the way technology is growing. Like and, like what? Yeah, let's go into that. <laughs> the rabbit hole. Like what? Like, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan podcast, um, so, you know, obviously, he's just, I love his, um, perspective on things, because he's, like, he just gets the smartest people he can on there, and he asks them questions, and he wants it to be so clear that, like, your average Tom, Dick, and Harry can understand it, because in reality, it's not your area of expertise you need it right. explain to you like you're a four-year-old that was my favorite thing when I was at a company down in Arizona who was like a startup they'd go explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old so like I know the office you understand it that's what yeah we, and I'm like oh that's okay that's like <laughs> and it's true right well do you
0: know not to cut you off but do you know that uh when you're listening you only retain five percent of information but when you're teaching it. I think it's over 40%. Oh, I believe. Yeah. If you want to learn a skill, teach it to someone else. Yeah,
1: But anyway, so like, so I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I do a lot and and there's a ton of people that go on there, but the main one, Elon Musk, right? Obviously a complete pioneer of engineering, uh, sustainable products, and even like things with the brain, right? If you want to talk about neuro, the dude is literally figuring out Um, chips to put in people's skulls that (laughs) can record functions elon Um, musk
0: is there i thought he was against that
1: no it's called Neuralink. oh wow it's a company um but basically so what is the brain right it's a bunch of electro waves that cause me to lift my hands and do crazy things right (laughs) right and each signal has a certain i don't even know frequency Yeah. Frequency, whatever. So basically he, he can put a chip in and start recording all of these signals and then mimic them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so they did this with a pig already and recorded, but the idea is they're going to record anything. So like I have a functioning right hand, right? They put one in me. I go like this, I go like this, blah, blah, blah. They have all that. They know what those brain signals are next thing you know they put it in someone who has a paralyzed right hand Mm. start sending those signals boom dude who has a paralyzed right hand can now do this because the neural link is fueling that function for him right and and the more this progresses they really go down a rabbit hole um in the last podcast there but the idea is this will go as deep as conversation thoughts Mm. things like that and then Basically, this chip can upload all that. So, me and you having this hour-long conversation, I could just download all my thoughts to the world wide web, basically, and then you could just know exactly my thoughts, which is insane.
2: (laughs) Oh, Uh, absolutely.
1: And then they go down to fur they go down further rabbit holes that are like, oh my goodness, if all of your brain functions can get mimicked by a computer and you could basically download your brain onto a computer and live forever so like when i talk about these moral decisions i think that we're gonna have to be uh they're gonna be bestowed upon us potentially will be do you want to trust your faith and die (laughs) want to download your brain to to Neuralink and live forever right I'm like, I'm like, dang, that is the biggest and hardest um, act of faith ever, you know, when you think of, am I going to die, am I going to go to heaven, or am I just going to cease to exist when I could download myself to a computer?
0: That's very interesting, there's a couple of things I want to talk about with what you said. First of all, when it comes to putting that chip in your brain, and being able to reuse your right hand again—that's actually what prayer is. Prayer is within the mind, and what you're doing is you're trying to reconnect your neurology. You're trying to reconnect your neurons to fire back again the way they were before. Or for some people, were never born with that correct firing of neurons. So when you pray and you pray for someone else, you're trying to induce those neurons to retrigger. Um, and you can do it. Um, there's been all sorts of healings. You know, you won't know it. And I won't get into that rabbit hole because I want to stay on this topic. But you want to know how many healings there really are in this world. Um, but I'm going down that. That I've been reading a lot of books, and I, like that's why I'm studying neurology. A lot of prayer, and this, and this, and this blind faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's it's good. It's really good. Um Yeah, exactly. And I'm not I'm not and that at all. But what I'm what I'm saying is um, that's that's where. It's, it's what it does is it is it re-triggers those neurons um so if you have a bad back it's not actually your vertebrae that's well your, your vertebrae is is deformed to some degree but when you fire those neurons correctly you can refix that vertebrae okay because when you get a small scratch it heals itself your neurons trigger your body to heal it okay but for some reason when we get a bigger scratch we seem to think that our body can't heal it but it can now, there's no, there's nothing wrong with getting stitches, okay, because it helps the healing process, but when it comes to, like, cancer and those types of, of paralysis and those types of things, a lot of the time, it comes from uh, a false belief, and this false belief clogs your, your, your correct firing of neurons, and so what prayer does is it eliminates that, that, that what, I, what I would call a clog in the pipe. So you, you eliminate that clog in the pipe so the water can flow uh, correctly. Um, so it's interesting that they're going that route um, with the chip. And the thing about, I would argue, and I'm sure a lot of people would argue this, is it would be tough to live through a computer because what we know about the brain and what we know about science, and it's very unexplainable, but it isn't if you believe in God, that it's the spirit that gives life to the body not the brain or the heart so um that is something that i would be interested to see if it ever comes to that i think they i think they could mimic life but i don't know if they could actually reproduce it yeah and
1: well that'll be a controversial topic in the future i'm sure yeah but uh that yeah i agree with you there's something about i mean when you pray you get prayed for or you pray for someone you can feel something in your brain just kind of like at ease like it's healing itself to a certain extent and that's what they say like if you pray for someone get prayed for and expect a result you need to full-on believe it Mm -hmm. that it's gonna otherwise it's not gonna happen and uh i think the coolest part i listened to also matthew mcconaughey's pod uh on joe rogan's podcast and he, he put it very awesome when he was talking about faith and science. He was like, of course I believe in science. Science is, um, the pursuit of God, you know, God's world, um, you know, like every nuance that can be studied is something that God created. And it's so controversial and, uh, unique and awesome that finding out these things is awesome. You're finding out more about God and how great he is. And like, the insane things that can happen in nature um and it's it's perfect on how he created it most of the time yeah and
0: that and that's that's the thing so i mean if, again there's all sorts of rabbit holes we could go down but you'll find out the reason there was this church and then science is because it was a catholic church and then there's atheist scientism so right away they disagreed and then they've never converged we're coming to a point where we're where we're converging is people like me and you where we are like okay god was a scientist like he didn't just poof this out of the air okay so there's a there's a there's a scientific explanation in, in my opinion for everything for the red sea parting for paraplegics getting up and walking there's a scientific explanation for everything um cool. and yeah um and so i think for me it starts within the brain but yeah um I think we're going to come to a point where, uh, yeah, science and God uh, can coexist. In fact, I think they're synonymous. But it is interesting to hear some scientists just totally reject the idea of God. And I feel like that's not being open-minded. I feel like that's not being willing to be wrong. And I find it strange that certain religious sectors totally deny the concept of any type of science. And it's like, why? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not an expert by any means
1: to the sense of, and a lot of those come from deep seated, you know, things that they grew up with that they hold as values and grudges, whatever, so on and so forth. But, um, I think it's just cool to, like you said, only way to be correct is not afraid to be wrong. Right. And Mm -hmm. and go into an idea and, um, have your idea of what's right, but also listen and retain and think about how could that fit in or how could that be more true than what I already think. And, you know, that's the only way to stay young as you grow old, right? Absolutely. To, to
0: keep uh, changing your ideas based on logic. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm not because I believe that you have to, like you said, you have to fully believe to really get results. So don't get me wrong, there's, you, have to, you have to know what's true in order to get results. But to know what's true, you have to be willing to be wrong. Um, otherwise, eventually, you're going to fail, like completely fail. Like I'm not talking failing forward. I'm talking about, you know, limiting yourself so much that you're going to be done for. Uh, because it's important to be able to uh, complement your convictions with further convictions but speaking of willing to be wrong let's talk about the election all right (laughs) so uh i usually don't talk about politics just because i feel like everybody does um but i think it's important to gain some perspectives that's what's going on right now and like i said you got to get a head on your shoulders so i'm just curious um obviously you know no judgment from me um what, what are your thoughts on the election what's going on
1: yeah man i uh I haven't been following it a whole lot since about three days after the election. because so I kind of got sick of it. Um, I saw the initial graphs of uh, like how votes went up in Pennsylvania, Michigan. I think Wisconsin was in there. And just in general, how close things were. And uh, my, it may be an unpopular opinion, but like, I'm not ignorant to the fact that Some of the most powerful and wealthy people in this world are extremely, extremely socialist in the sense that I just truly think they have more power than we can even comprehend in the sense that everyone has their price tag to act any sort of way, whether you're a vote counter, someone covering up where people are counting votes, whether you're developing software for the vote counters, blah, blah, blah. Everyone... Everyone has their price tag and the amount of money that these socialists have, the, you know, the, the high up people in Facebook, Twitter, Google, um, Apple, they're all extremely socialist. So I just think that, man, I take it with the grain of salt for sure. I mean, I, I obviously know Trump and he's a crazy person and mm-hmm. not necessarily the, he's definitely not the best example of who I'd want as a, a uh, leader or even someone I would deem as a good caring individual who has a lot of empathy and structures his sentences to like come off extremely well or things mm. like that but uh, I think he's got a, a pretty valid point in being skeptic of how votes are counted in in the country um no doubt but uh that being said um yeah I don't know. So I'm just skeptical to a certain extent and mm-hmm. whatever happens, happens. I mean, all you got to do is roll with the punches, but
0: yeah, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to tell me who, but I just want to know because it'll go into the next conversation. Did you vote? I voted.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. uh, I'll let you know that my person did not win and <laughs> also Joe. So. <laughs> and, uh, I think a lot of people in the red category would say that Joe Jorgensen took a lot of red votes this year. Mm -hmm. And to my, I I guess I'll, I have no problem explaining why I voted the way I did. And I, I, so I recently watched The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. If anyone listening or, you know, you haven't seen it, I would, I would highly recommend you to see it. And uh, basically I just... I don't believe in two parties. I think two parties is absolutely ridiculous it, it because you could have so many views of one side and then views on the other side. And I think people pigeonhole themselves into believing one thing just to format themselves as a Republican or Democrat, right? Um, so I voted Libertarian in the sense that I just think if I can get that third party number to rise a little bit every four years that eventually we won't have two parties because I don't believe in it. And either you believe in it and you don't, or you don't. And uh, I did my civil duty in saying I don't believe in two parties, so I didn't vote for one of the two.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, I thanks for being so transparent. It takes a lot of guts, especially nowadays, to admit who you voted for, because it's not the easiest thing to do, which is unfortunate. Lose friends over it. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, just to continue with what you were saying. It was, it, it is strange. It's strange. I'll say that to the very least. Um, But the but the, the previous point that I was going to make was I know quite a few people who didn't vote because they feel as if it's all controlled by the elites, you know, by the Facebooks, the Googles, the, who are they called? The Rosen dolls. And then the, oh, this is the you, one guy, Soros. The,
1: Rothschilds yeah there you go there you go (laughs) oh my goodness you
0: don't even want to go down there (laughs) yeah but I'm just so I know a lot of people that just didn't vote um so I was curious to see if that's where you went um I know some people that probably voted out of ignorance which I think is the most unfortunate thing I think if you don't know what you're doing if you're voting out of hate you shouldn't vote at all I know that's not a popular opinion. I think everyone's like, oh, go out and vote. It's like, no. <laughs> you know, unless, you, unless you've unless done some research, done some investigation, know why you're voting, and you're not voting out of a reactionary, hateful purpose, I would strongly encourage you not to vote. Um, If I ever, <laughs> if I ever go out for politics, I might have to delete this podcast, but it'll be yeah. <laughs> But uh, Yeah, that stuff follows you, right? But, but honestly, it's the truth. Um, I think it's, it's better to be informed than just to go and do it. It's something that I think people need to understand. And this is, um, I didn't vote third party, but I, I mean, I get, I really truly understand why you did, but this is, this is what it comes down for me. Um, the, the best argument for literally any argument, whether it's right or left is that it's my God given right. It's my right in America to get an abortion, or it's my right in America to own a gun. And it's strange to me that they're both on opposite sides, and the NRI is the biggest funder for the Republican Party, and Planned Parenthood is the biggest funder for the Democratic Party, but they both argue the same thing that it's my right. And so to me, um, and I get it, like if you want to get into the details of it, okay, like, okay, well, science suggests this, well, science suggests that. Well, if you you know, blah, blah blah. But what I'm saying is that that's gray area. Okay, you can always twist and turn your that argument if you would like to, because it's a gray area there. So for me, I am totally on board with you that there shouldn't be two parties. Um, in fact, I would. I my biggest problem with the, this entire year is the overreach of the federal and the state government, and I think it's our fault. I think it's the people's fault. We let them get this big. We we got lazy. We, you know, we got busy with their nine to fives. You know, we got kids, stuff like that. I understand all of it, and we shouldn't have to police the government. You yeah. know, but unfortunately, I think it's coming to that. For sure, oh, no I uh, have you ever watched Black Mirror? Uh, I watched like one episode. I can't handle. It. I don't like stuff like that. Yeah, well, the
1: first one that I watched gave me extreme anxiety. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) beyond that, there's a couple of interesting ones. One was this character named Waldo, I think was his name. But he basically was this cartoon character. And he would just – he ran as a public figure for politics and uh, would just make fun of the other candidates, you know, and, like, not have any agenda whatsoever. But the idea, he would just say, yeah, if I win – everything will get taken to a vote online every time. And I get that this thing there, that that's extremely hard to um, maybe manage in the sense that we already can't even vote one time for a president and think that it's uh, not corrupted. Right. But uh, the idea that like every single issue could get voted on separately mm-hmm. by a popular vote is pretty cool. And this was for a smaller country. So the demographics are very small a lot smaller i guess than america in the sense of population isn't that huge but in the sense of diversity of culture it's outrageously different throughout Mm -hmm. the country but um just that idea of being able to vote on a specific issue was really cool to me and i'm like hey maybe we should have a cartoon as our president
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean honestly that it's I don't know if we could ever get there just but like that is a problem like what they do is they pack these bills with a bunch of hidden yeah what the heck (laughs) yeah oh man it bothers me so much but again it doesn't matter because it's 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 it's, it is difficult it's difficult to know like you said ignorance is bliss it's difficult to know so i i like I, i try to I try to, I don't know, and I honestly I'm all ears to what you have to say about this. I try to have a positive outlook on it, especially with what's going on right now. Um, but I try to be aware, but also not too aware.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Do you have like a great formula or what? <laughs> well,
1: I honestly hope for the best as well. But like uh yeah. I honestly just want America to not be so divided, which is why I chose to vote third party as well. And I also think a lot of people may have voted the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And I get, so the black lives matters thing. Like I'm, I watched the 13th amendment on Netflix and it totally changed my perspective on the BLM movement in the sense that, I understand how and why um, we got there on <laughs> why, why people of color feel the way they do, um, for sure. And, um, but I also think that the, the uproar <laughs> of the BLM also brought some fear to that happening again with if Trump would have gotten reelected. And that's because a lot of people think Trump's racist. Mm-hmm. um And they also weren't getting their way, which is a way to, that's similar to BLM in the sense of we're used to rioting now. Let's just do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and th- those were happening in our largest cities, and they're very scary for a lot of people. And I think some people may have chose the path of least resistance. And I just truly hope that it um, tailors this country in the right direction. Um, but. It's another factor i think maybe some people chose the path of least resistance and i i saw these tweets on uh whatever however many million pissed off republicans and no riots in the streets and then i hear the rebuttal um yeah but you didn't have three people yeah. die you want your dad lost an election or whatever which which is funny to a certain extent mm-hmm. of yeah you're pouting because your dad lost an election. That's a little outrageous. Yeah. But at the same sense, I don't know. I can't say that there would have been rioting if Biden would have lost for sure. But I think I don't stand alone in saying that I think there might've been.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely, uh, I would say it's fair to say that that's definitely a thought, like just based on previous uh, results of, you know, previous indicators of what's happened. I mean, they, they choose to riot. That's, they're not ashamed of it. Um, path of least resistance is an interesting way of putting it. I, that's not something I thought of, but that definitely the, makes a lot of the sense.
1: Choice. Trump's an asshole. I'm not going to vote for him. Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, this is what I said about Black Lives Matter. Um, I said that the content, the purpose of it is right on. I'd say the execution of it is an F. Um, but if your purpose was to not get Trump to, to be the president, then sure, you executed it greatly. But at what cost? Um, to me, I saw a lot of these crazy things that I didn't think was okay. And again, I don't want to bash BLM because there's a Republican side that has plenty of things going on within it that I don't agree with. I, in fact, I'm more against Antifa than I am anything else. Um, but what, what I found strange was the amount of white people within the Black Lives Matters riots destroying small owned black businesses. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like that to me is, is okay. This is your, this is your purpose, but you're doing the opposite of your purpose. But with all big organizations, there's always those people, okay, like, within Christianity, there's a bunch of people that have no idea what they're doing, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but they're, they're off, they're not, they're not, they don't really know what true Christianity is, so then, for me, I, I assume the same thing, should I shouldn't say assume, I just, I imagine that it would be the same in Black Lives Matter, it's a group of people that ruined the rest of the movement, so, and I, and there's always two sides of the story, right, if I wanted to look at CNN, they would talk about how great it is, if I wanted to look at Fox so to me it's somewhere in the middle yeah. and um again i think the idea of it is and like you said earlier i uh, i can see why they've gotten there and i absolutely can too um something that i just want to point out in history it bothers me is when all of the real and then and uh, so there's just a just a uh, explain something. Muhammad Ali went to prison because he didn't want to go to war. And I believe that he is correct in why he, why he did that. Okay. But outside of Muhammad Ali, and I'm talking about the white people, they all went to war. Okay. The real men went to war. All right. Because they were asked to by these political leaders. And, and these political leaders at this time sabotaged the country. And I think they were, they, A, you know, were the ones that did the Jim Crow laws or not, not necessarily that period of time, but they were doing things that really set black people behind. It wasn't the real white men that were actually doing stuff for the community, within the community, okay? All those guys had to go to war. So there was a huge opportunity for these you know, people that I'm not so encouraged by that made America the way it was for black people. And I think now, like you said, we're seeing the repercussions of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's extremely unfortunate. Um, and I know America wasn't always the greatest, blah, blah, and all this and that, but I think for us, like me and you want, we want unity. And I think that the best way to gain unity is to gain perspective. And it's not so much to be a pushover either. Um, I think, like you said, the path of least resistance, I think there's a huge guilt complex within within American society. And I don't agree with that at all. Um, Do you see a guilt complex or what? I mean, for sure. I,
1: so, I mean, I just think all these things, they can't be solved overnight.
2: Mm. So like
1: one, I see the side of BLM and it's unfortunate, but in today's society, you see something crazy on Instagram, like you see like the most outrageous video and then you're like, huh, that was crazy. And then you scroll and like, same thing, BLM. Oh my goodness. Colin Kaepernick kneeled again for the anthem, like... (laughs) all the veterans are going to be pissed off. Like Mm -hmm. they fought for that flag. And now here he is just abominating it. But like at the same time, like society says in order to get noticed today, you need to do something so outrageous to get noticed that maybe you do need to riot in the streets. And that's when I'm like, Hey, and I get it. These riots were a peaceful protest followed by, like people in between and then it was the rioters behind it right Mm -hmm. so you have people up front doing things the right way and there's a right way to do anything and i also think um like you mentioned um i would strongly encourage you to watch the 13th amendment whether it be completely factual not factual i think most of it is they showed a lot of real footage and documentary on it but like throughout the 80s 90s there was a um, law and order movement in the government right so it was let's crack down on drugs and the drugs that were cracked out on or cracked down on were crack mm-hmm. you could get a felony life in prison for having crack but cocaine was a slap on the wrist yeah crack mostly colored people in poor neighborhoods because they were i mean this wasn't all that it was a long ways away from slavery no doubt but like it was in, and then you watch what they did to these prisoners. These prisoners were, so when there was, in they, they give these factual numbers on how many people, Black people in particular, were imprisoned throughout those years, 80, 90s, um, on these movements of law and order. And the amount of incarcerated Black people compared to white people was like, 7 out of 10 to, like, 2 out of 10. Like, those were the general proportions. I'm not probably accurate with those Uh in that um, (laughs) regiment. And then most of the prisons became privatized because it was a big moneymaker to have all these prisoners work for giant corporations Uh for very cheap labor, like, slavery all over again. It was Mm -hmm. another form of it. Um, That as well as it's white people having leverage um, in the sense of even zoning property is a big one.
0: Yeah, I've heard about that.
1: Like, (laughs) if you have all the power in the world and you can zone people that you're close with, mostly white people, Mm -hmm. you can zone them in areas that are going to go to good schools, have the best property, so on and so forth. um, You're obviously going to put people you don't know all that well into Mm -hmm. the the worst areas and that's what's happened compounded interest over years and years and years and now unfortunately black people feel like they don't have as good of a chance as white Mm -hmm. people in this country um so that's and i i get it i get it man and the only way to get noticed like i said is do something outrageous and part of me is like okay i respect the outrageousness of this because it does need to get noticed um Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the election path, at least resistance, they're all, they're all factors. I'm, you
0: know, you just have to be open to multiple ideas. I'm just trying to bring them. Mm-hmm. It is, but the thing that's difficult, I think, is, is knowing all that, like knowing all that and then making a decision, you know? Oh, right? <laughs> exactly. and, and then you say,
1: don't vote if you aren't in, in, informed. And I'm like, I'm not
0: even informed. And I feel like <laughs> I know a lot of bull crap that's going on. Right, but, and I'll just, the, and I'll just say this, because there's another documentary out there that the Republicans really like. can't remember what it's called. Something with a T. Okay. I don't know, but anyway, so that one really emphasizes, like, how, and I, I haven't watched it, so I don't want to, and this isn't my view, um, but it really emphasizes how Black people have been downtrodden, and their reason why is because, the democratic party now i would say because i believe that the government is overreaching but i think it's our fault i think it's our fault as a people when stuff like this happens people can blame political advisors and i get that um but we're we're in a time now where we can be informed where we, we have google at our disposal so we can and i know maybe google suggests certain things but there's other ways to get information I think we're in a period of time now where it's not acceptable to be ignorant. Um, I yeah. think we, we we have to, uh, because if we are ignorant, this, we get into these things where the 2020 election was possibly rigged and the 2016 election was claimed to be rigged by the other side. So it's like everywhere we turn left and right, it's like these political advisors, some of these, now, nah, nah, some of them are good people. Okay? But then it seems like the ones that are really doing the, the damage are power hungry, and they're overreaching, and they and they know that they can do it. I mean, with this whole COVID thing, we're seeing a lot of people openly deny and be hypocritical of the things that they're saying. Like the Denver mayor said, "Don't travel," and then he goes to Mississippi and travels. okay? you know, Governor Newsom says, "Don't you know, blah blah blah, don't do this." Nancy Pelosi says, "Don't do this," and then they're doing it, right? So to me, it's like, well, when are we, black, white, Hispanic, you know, Filipino, all these people, when are we going to realize that we need, you know, obviously the past sucks to, for some cultures, um, but we need to unify and unify under what? To me, it's God, it's Jesus, because you can't unify under Trump or under Joe Biden. Those guys are humans and you can't trust them. You can't. So... And I think a lot of these political parties use Christianity against Christians, which bothers me a lot. Um, But so for me, the only way to unify is to have a superhero, and that superhero is Jesus. Um, A lot of people unify under a common enemy. Um, You can see that within sports a lot. If you have a, you know, if you all hate the same person, you're going to bond over that. Well, if you all love the same person, you're going to bond even stronger. Yep. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of another reason why I left my desk jogs is like, I need to put myself in a position of influence where I can relay these type this type of, you know, content. Yeah. I,
1: I, I your perspective because, um, I hate when people only provide problems and not solutions. Here we were, here we were just <laughs> bashing things along, but, uh, at the end of the day, yeah, it's great to provide a solution and here I go providing another problem, but I just feel like religion in itself provides such a barrier for people to view God the same way. Um, whether you're Muslim, Islam, you know, like Catholic, God or Baptist, blah, blah, blah. Um, Pentecostal doesn't matter. You know, uh, I think finding a unity or common ground on who God is, would allow, let me provide a solution here. Allow, um, you know, more of a a unity on on such a thing, and maybe like more scientists. Like there are scientists that believe in God and they think sure. it's the pursuit of God one hundred percent. But uh, more and more, um, thinking with an open mind and pursuing that act, um, and whether they believe it's God or don't believe it's God, that they come to their own conclusions to no doubt each person's their own. But like you said, one, people are more powerful, you know, going towards one thing they can agree on than Mm -hmm. something they can disagree on for sure. It's a great perspective.
0: Yeah. And part of the problem is, like you were saying, the reason there is so much division in this country is because there's so much division within the church. Like, the church doesn't agree. (laughs) So how can we expect the world to agree when the body of Christ barely agrees? Now, um, it's okay to have difference of opinion. That's what I think is the most important out of this entire conversation. Um, And how to move forward, I think, is where people become, you know, one-sided or argumentative. And... A lot of people want to move forward the way they want they want to. And when they, re- they see someone that doesn't want to move forward that way, they think that they're the enemy instead of someone that's just, you know, has a different idea. And a lot of what I'm seeing today is everyone that's a normal human being within the middle class or lower class, whatever, anyone that's got, you know, that's not a serial killer, has good intentions. Like they want the best for the entire country for the most part. Um, I think it's when people get jaded and ego gets involved is where we see this huge separation and the media is always just jamming propaganda into our brains where it's like you said you see one thing and you just think that's how everybody is and it gets confusing right because and speaking of Joe Roman's podcast he says it a lot like we're not we're not supposed to handle all this information you know, tick tock six seconds at a time, like just boom, 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 information, 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 content, content. And we're just, uh, <laughs> you know, and it and it, and it and it, triggers our neurons, act the way it stresses us out. We think, you know, we got to choose flight or fight. And a lot of us choose fight because, I mean, we're Americans. Uh, that's, that's a lot. It's really in our DNA to choose fight more than flight. So that's what you're seeing today is Republicans and Democrats just going at it because of, what I would say propaganda, um, there is a truth to what they're saying on both sides, but they overemphasize. Right. Yeah. No doubt.
1: Yep. Man, I didn't think we were gonna dive down the politics <laughs> rabbit hole as much, but hey.
0: Well, uh, everybody is, so I wish our uh first
1: podcast would have gotten more uh recorded in a
0: quality manner. But. Oh, I know. It was good. This reception was so bad. I don't even... What else did we tie. Was Is there something else we should hit on? Is there something you want to hit on? No. no, no, no. I think uh,
1: we talked about corporate America. I mean, if anything, I haven't um, pumped your tires enough in the sense that I'm... I'm proud of you for <laughs> the leap of going your own direction, um, doing what you're passionate about. Like I said, I have always um, seeing myself doing a similar thing. And I think that's, that's one reason me and you have always connected really well. The other reason is diving down rabbit holes like this and kind mm-hmm. of, um, growing up a very similar way. I mean, Josh, obviously both grew up, not obviously, but we, we both grew up in similar type backgrounds, kind of a non-denominational-esque, um, church and God was very important growing up. And, uh, we've also had uh, the same experiences as most people, um, in the United States that go to college and, you know, take a few years to just figure things out and, Mm -hmm. you know, do some crazy things and also find perspective through that. And after that and through our upbringing, things like that, um, and just trying to figure it out. And that's, I think that's why, um, you're a very interesting and relatable cat in what you're doing. And uh, I think that it's awesome what you're doing. And uh, yeah, and, and like I said, like last time I was going into this Josh guy, I mean, people are like, man, is he kind of crazy doing this whole like Salvari thing? And I'm like, no, he's not crazy. Um, you're only crazy if you do it for a little bit and quit. You're uh, you're just following Your passion, if you stay consistent, you keep doing it, and uh, there'll come a time where people are just like, "Yeah, that's what Josh does," you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think I think it's cool, and I just like to encourage you to keep going. And um, I think it's awesome. So um, I'm even wearing my Salvari <laughs> shirt right now. Jesus saves. So uh, you know, I'm sure there's links and stuff, but. Um, <laughs> crowd supporter and I think it's pretty cool and I be boldly be blessed I mean last time we were talking about that aspect of it and uh, I think we dove into it a little bit on the non-recorded podcast but um, being bold and being blessed is the way I see it and uh, what really struck home with me was um, being bold is kind of like finally coming into that parallel with yourself of who god wants you to be right and uh you're allowed to be bold because you are confident in who you are you know that god has gifts for you you're blessed with those gifts and you know you're put on this earth for a purpose and if you're one with your spirit and finally confident you're allowed to be bold right like with yourself be bold and then you'll you'll also be blessed by being yourself that God has meant you to be, being bold, and ultimately you're blessed. So I think that's an awesome thing to to go on. And I want to encourage Salvari to continue to find its identity. I think it's there. It's coming
0: and mm-hmm. pushing. And, yeah, I'm proud of you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate those words, man. That's why I talk to you. You're always making me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, I uh, just a that's one thing I will say about this whole thing and like I and I know I mentioned it a couple of times the overreach of the government but that is a huge step in the right direction with becoming successful and developing the right mindset is is don't be a victim and I know bad things have happened. and there's a lot of good reasons for a lot of people to be to feel like the world's against them and I get that okay but if you have the right mindset all those bad things that have happened to you, and maybe your prior family members or ancestors, um, you will be able to take all that and use it for you. Okay, so, and I'm not saying it's right. All the all these bad things that happen, nothing about it is good, unless you know how to use it for good. So that's that's something I want everyone to know from this. Uh, you know, there's 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 a silver lining, there's a positive, and there's a way to make. You're, you're, this is why God says your greatest weaknesses will become your greatest strength. But so whatever you think your greatest weakness is, allow God in that situation, and He's gonna make it your greatest strength. So once you have that mindset, you'll start to realize that, hey, you know, maybe maybe the government is against me, and maybe they have been, or not even maybe, but they've been, you know, just downtrodding on certain cultures. Well, we can use that for us. We can we can have the right mindset. We can overcome, and we can do our due diligence, and we can make it uh, a stance of victory. Because what what people don't understand is the greatest inventions in this world, whether they be technological or or life philosophies, they all came from solving a problem. So, you know, I mean, unfortunately, it took lives, but the Civil War was a solution to a problem. It's a huge, monumental solution. Yeah, so that. that's, that's basically what we're doing. Like if you can solve problems, you're going to be successful in life. For Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's finish this up with a prayer and then uh, I'll, you know, let you go. Sounds good, man. All right. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this conversation that I got to get with Brady. Uh, thank you that he is healthy and to the best of my knowledge, all of his family and friends are healthy. And for those that aren't, we've asked for the healing. Uh, Thank you for this day and this upcoming holiday season and we ask that everyone um, that may be in a divisive state right now just realizes how good you are and realizes that you are in control and that we can have unity in uncertain times. Uh, Thank you for the insight that Brady has brought us. I've always said he's got something in him that's always going to be great and he's a great friend Um, and Can't wait to see how his life unravels. Uh, It's going to be a great journey for him. I'm excited to see it. So again, thank you for being on here and thank you for this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.